asked me it asked me what what's my name. I'm like, this will be fun. <laughs> so I just put McFrizzle Dick on there. Don't tell Jason that. He'll make it the title of the show. <laughs> I heard that word the first time first time. We're recording already, boys. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is the Hustle and Grind podcast. Every now and then, as podcasters, me and Ryan meet up in this room, and people don't understand that you kind of feel like you're on the spot when you're doing a podcast, and every now and then there's some some dull spots and some dead silence and trying to come up on the fly with things to talk about. I don't think that's going to be an issue today. We got Neil Warren from Maximus Knives in the house with us. Yes, sir. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Getting out of the the heat for two seconds, which is nice. Well, let's talk about McFrizzle Dick. McFrizzle Dick, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't give me me an option to pick my own name going on a podcast with anything. I'm going to pick something stupid. Uh, I was going to go with one of the two classics, so I used to play like uh, little Halo competitions back in the day. (laughs) Nerd. No, at a bar. <laughs> I did it at a bar. But no, and I either had Jacques Mayhoff as my name or Sveti, Sveti Bolsik. Uh, well, I see yeah, now I where you've know. got it on our screen, but it cut it off early. So I've just got McFrizzy. Yeah, McFrizzy. So it sounds like your fly bladesmithing rapper name. <laughs> no, no, no. Or your Miss Frizzle's son from the Magic <laughs> School Bus. <laughs> <laughs> Man, whoever wrote that show had to be tripping, dude. Dude, you ever gone back and watched some of them cartoons from when we were kids? Yeah. Holy. There's a lot of, like, subliminable thoughts in there. I never realized as a kid that Ren and Stimpy are a dog and a cat, and Stimpy eats Ren's shit, like, when he's eating the box. That's Ren's cat (laughs) box. I never got that when I was a kid. And then my son was watching it, and I was like, you can't watch this. What the fuck? I'm like, what the hell is going on? I didn't know Ren and Stimpy was even still a thing. It, well, he I, said he used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're still around. They just brought back Beavis and Butthead. I got Paramount Plus just so I can watch it. I heard about that. I believe yeah. it. I believe it. I, I used to love cartoons, but now they're most of the ones that I watched are canceled because they were too violent. Somehow anime is okay with people chopping heads off, but a you know coyote dropping an anvil on a roadrunner and missing is too violent. So figure that one out. Yeah. I have, go ahead. I have a really dark inappropriate sense of humor. So I love some of the new adult cartoons that are out like, uh, Oh, what's that one? It's about aliens. Hold on. I'll find it. But like family guys, South parks, my favorite show of all time. Yeah. Um, I've gone down those roads a couple of times, but I mean, you know, I don't know. I get too busy to watch cartoons anymore. Right. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> Usually it's at night while I'm going to bed. Yes. Yeah, Solar of- opposites. Oh wow. No, it's no, about no. these aliens that like their planet gets destroyed, so they send these teams out to like repopulate the universe. And the one that lands on Earth isn't they're a bunch of idiots 
Like, well, they got that right. <laughs> one of the sons has a like terrarium in his wall where people who he encounters throughout his day that piss him off, he shrinks them to miniature size and makes them live in this like terrarium in his wall where they fight and have wars and like overthrow each other. And yeah, it's a great show. It's hilarious. That's crazy. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't have time for that. <laughs> Even in the evenings, I don't know. It's it's kind of different. I mean, you know, it's kind of like the Southern Takeover. There's only one Northerner here for a change. Typically, all the guests are like from up north or Canadian. So yeah, yeah. don't worry, I'll carry the show, boys. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I, I at least talk fast, so you know you got that going for you. I don't have the the typical Texas draw. Like you know, we could go down, have some beers by the river. Do you guys still call us Yanks? Oh, all the time. It, t- it typically is more like Yankee fucks, but <laughs> we just shorten it to Yanks. But it's all in love, though. It's not like, you know, meant to be mean. Oh, no, I get it. I get it. I mean, we won the war. It's okay to be salty. <laughs> no big deal. That was a long time ago. Yeah, right? That was a long time ago. We, uh, we freed your slaves. Got... It's fine. <laughs> no. Shots fired. All, all the ones in my family were getting paid, so you didn't free anything. Um, the, uh, the funny thing is, is that when I lived in California, I lived out in California for almost eight, eight to nine years. And um, living out there, everybody called me redneck. And I'm like, compared to, like, I do country shit, don't get me wrong. But compared to the rednecks here, I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I'm not not anywhere near as bad as some of these guys. I mean... One of my most redneck stories, well, when I was on the the Work For It podcast, I kind of mentioned about alligators and stuff, and I guess people don't realize there's the eastern part of Texas that's heavily wooded, which is where I live. <laughs> I'm like an hour from Louisiana, so we go down in the swamps. We got the humidity. We got all that going for us, and including being in Texas. But some buddies wanted to go gator hunting near kind of the Lafayette area, well, okay, no, they did not want to go gator hunting. We ended up hunting a gator. They were actually bow fishing, quote unquote, which if you've ever been bow fishing, they take this almost like a pontoon boat and it's got like a hula skirt all the way around it and a bunch of damn lights and they'll shoot arrows at carp and gar. Mm-hmm. We came across about an eight foot gator. And of course you got that one friend that's like, I'm a shoot it. And I'm like, that's not a good idea. And Sounds like a great also, idea. He's he's also the, yeah, well, trust me, I love gator tail. I didn't, you know, but he's also the guy that has the mindset that I don't want to chew while I'm on the water because I don't want to spit nasty tobacco into the water and hurt the fish. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know yeah, he's a genius. So he does shoot said alligator, and we haul absolute ass back to the truck. Because, you know, we drug this 200, 300-pound behemoth up into the boat, and you, you know, it wasn't necessarily the most legal thing at the time. We get back to the truck. It is probably 11 p.m. at night, and we get it into the back of the truck, and he straddled over this thing, and it comes back alive because all he did was knock it out real good. So now you got this dude that probably weighs 275, 300 pounds straddling a massive alligator flailing around in the back of the bed of his truck. And the first thing he does is go, get me a gun. So, of course, gun rack in the, in the rear window used to be a thing. All he had back there was a 30 six. 
which for anybody that knows anything understands that that's a massive caliber for hunting. So I grab it, toss it to him. He throws the bolt down, points it at the back of the head of the gator, which is right at his feet because he was standing basically right behind the front legs of the gator. So he was kind of safe. Shoots a hole through the alligator's head. Through his fuel tank. Goes through the bed of his truck and through his fuel tank. (laughs) We're in BFE Swamp, Louisiana, and we're from Texas. And you definitely heard that go off. So now we're scrambling. I hear like, what's that sound? You know, once my ear stopped ringing, I'm like, what's that sound? I look down and there's just fuel pouring out of the bottom of his gas tank. Because it's not like the movies. It doesn't just explode. And... This guy, because he did not dip while he was out on the water, he would chew big league chew, if you remember that, if it's even still a thing. He had a massive wad of big league chew, goes, I'll fix it, jumps down there and grabs his duct tape out of his door pocket of his truck, shoves the big league chew in the hole on the bottom of the gas tank and commences to taping it up with the duct tape. And we literally drove what quarter of a tank that was left in there back enough to town to put some more gas in it that got us back to his place just on the other side of the border into Texas to where he could at least limp it and, and get it to the house and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a complete, like, city folk guy, but, you know, stuff happens in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, I know what <laughs> I, you mean. I wouldn't say redneckery is just relegated to the southern like bible belt it's absolutely they're everywhere there's rednecks here i firmly believe that 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 pickle is in the redneck area of canada because he's in southern canada i think it's just like the southern part of any country is like where the rednecks are and i don't know why i don't know pickles in northern maine so he's a northerner to me well he's yeah northern maine southern southern canada canadia as just like jason says canadia i don't know where that I started saying that years ago, and they're like, "What are you talking about, eh?" I'm like, "You're in Canada. You're Canadians." Yeah. Don't don't get mad about it. Yeah, that's how it's said. (laughs) What have y'all been up to, man? Man, I started. uh, uh, Jason, you go first. Well, this week I've been kind of drunk, but I haven't been drinking. So I had me like a little weird dizzy spell on last Tuesday, and I was like, "Man, this is." Really weird feeling. Felt like I was lightheaded, you know, just all shaky. And I've never had problems with blood sugar, none of that kind of crap. But just in case, I stopped at the gas station. I got me a Mountain Dew and a big old Reese's Fast Break candy bar. And I shoved that down my hole. Nothing changed. The next day I got up. Verify verify which hole. The top one. Okay, good. And uh, (laughs) next day I got up and, man, it was worse. Like I could barely stand up without falling into the wall. So I went down to the med stop, and they did a couple little basic tests, and they tell me I got vertigo. Now, I've never had a problem with this before in my life. I'm almost 40 years old, so I'm thinking, okay, well, this is like a little, you know, quick spell or whatever. They gave yeah. me some medicine, which I Googled. It's pretty much prescription Dramamine, and that was six days ago, and I can still barely walk. So I don't know what the hell's going on. I think I'm going to go back to the, the doctor tomorrow. And try to get fixed because there's no way that that people can live life dizzy, you know. I've had vertigo. Like it's, it's horrible, sketchy as fuck to drive. How long did it last when you had it? 
Oh, about a week, but you got to start doing what's called the Epley maneuver. Dude, I've done so many tip your head 45 degrees this way and then lean straight back and then one side and then straight up and then the other side. I've been doing so many little head wiggling exercises. I had a buddy of mine uh, that had this thing called Meniere's disease where if he had too much salt, it would give him vertigo. Because of something with a little bit of increase in blood pressure and the inner ear and all that kind of jazz, which he said it took him took them and he had it he just got it quote unquote fixed, but he said he had it for probably a year before it got properly diagnosed. Cool shit. Yeah, I went to the hospital. I thought I was dying. What's like weird I, is I don't feel sick. Like I'm not nauseous or anything else. I yeah, feel. Shit. Yeah, just like tipsy. Yeah. yeah, I went to get out of bed one day and I was like, oh, going down. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I woke up that morning, felt completely normal, was pumped up, ready to go. And I had a big bush hogging job to do that day. So I got on the tractor and I ran it for probably two hours or so. And I come up to kind of a kind of a steep grade that I was cutting. So I jumped off to adjust my brush hog where I could put that, you know, that slope on it that I needed to cut that that grade and I jumped off and walked around the back of the tractor. And when I got back there, I was like, Whoa, just kind of took a minute to catch myself. And the whole rest of the day, I'm thinking like, something's wrong with me. Like something's actually wrong. And I don't get that feeling often, you know, just nothing's really wrong with me. I do have blood pressure issues. So obviously I checked my blood pressure. It was perfect. You know, I take pills to make it that way. But yeah, Tuesday morning is going to be a solid week. Actually, that'll be the eighth day, I guess. And it's not freaking cool, dude. Wow. Nah, that's got to suck. I've went down to the shop a few times trying to do some knife work, and I'm like, dude, I can't fucking grab a knife and touch a grinder. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll kill myself. Hmm. I still got a scar on my knuckle from the, the first knife show that I exhibited at was in April of last year, or April of this year, this past April. And my day job and all that, I got caught up with not being able to, I was like, well, you know, I'll have the evenings to work on the knives. And of course, going up to like the last three weeks leading up to the show, every single evening, something was going wrong, you know, to where I was having to work late. I was working until 8 PM, 12, you know, like super late constantly, or, you know, because of work until midnight and going right back to work the next day, then finally getting off being so wore out, like, there's no way I'm going to be in the shop tonight, you know, and still trying to push myself. I literally, literally was sitting there on like the Thursday night or the, the Wednesday night or something like that. Just before having to leave on Friday at 1 a.m., I was sitting there grinding out a bevel and like fell asleep at the grinder standing up. And my knuckle like bumped into a luckily worn out 50, like 50 or 60 grit belt, just like zip. And just rug burn the ever living crap out of my knuckle, and I still got a scar from it almost a year later. Mm. Which is just that's why I was like, you know, <laughs> when you start getting a little bit of I shouldn't be here, maybe maybe step off a little bit. Yeah, you, know okay. you don't yeah. Want to get slapped in the head with the belt exploding, for example. Our yeah. shops are dangerous places for sure. Luckily, I've never been hurt by a belt in my shop. I've had a couple break, but they haven't hit me. Only thing I, I had a bearing blow up on a small wheel one time. Yeah, and I remember you talking about that. I picked one. up the bearing, 
and it burnt the dog shit out of my thumb. Just, I mean, I didn't realize how hot it was, but I picked it up and it left a perfect circle blister. Well, that's fun. But you should have just gotten pissed at it and thrown it in the forge and smashed it out into something. Oh, dude, there was bearing everywhere. It was crazy. That's wild. Yeah, I've had some close calls. Uh, most recently, mine was another. I need to get one of those metal cutting discs like what you just posted, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get something like that because I had yet another grinder or cutting disc blow up on me. And luckily, this time, I did have on my, my full face shield. Um, shout out to Ben's Bites on that one. He told me about this company called Uvex that makes like the full hoods. It's kind of like the uh, the benchmark abrasives hood you have, Ryan, but it's just all the way clear down the front. Yeah. But your mask can fit under it and everything. Um, but, yeah, that, that like, grazed the uh, face shield, and then the other part hit me in the in my apron. And the crazy thing is, is it somehow, like, split. I'm holding the grinder, and it didn't occur to me afterwards that came back at me but somehow missed my hand and i have no guard on my grinder at all so it's like literally blew up and exploded right past my hand is it super you know? humid there yeah it's yeah if it if it's below moisture can make those discs softer that makes sense i've been having a lot yeah. of edges fray out on them and stuff like that yeah it, i uh if it's i cut out probably six or seven blanks last night with that diamond blade mm-hmm. and my initial impression of it is it cuts good it's slower than an abrasive wheel but it, you don't have like all that black powder everywhere and it doesn't stink like i hate the smell of them abrasive wheels yeah that's nasty yeah um a downside though you it doesn't like to make plunge cuts so like you know if you have two tangs that are lined up and you have to make a plunge cut in between them it mm-hmm. slides around on the billet before you can get it to bite in. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to go real slow with it. But I would have used four or five discs last night, you know, yeah. and it still eats right through it. So we'll see. They say you can get a hundred cutoff wheel worth of discs out of one of these, and it was twenty bucks. Damn. Yeah. So well, how, how does that uh, curve shield affect your your vision? I've got a curved shield on my respirator, my full face, and if I try to grind wearing that, I can look down a blade even without vertigo issues, and it just looks wavy. You know what I mean? Depending on the distance from me, like the depth from where I'm holding it to my face or the angle, it can look warped through that shield, even though it's actually not. Yeah, I I haven't had – it's it literally wraps almost like to your peripherals. I've had times when I have a very, very clean shield on there because they are replaceable that I've been grinding and like literally like reached up to scratch my nose and hit the shield because I forgot that it was there. Um, the brand Uvex evidently, according to, to Ben's bites, uh, Ben Siegel, he said that it was when he used to work in a lab, it was the brand that they used. So I was like, okay, cool. And they were only like 27 bucks on Amazon. So it was definitely worth the money. It just, just saved my head, but. I'm like, it, you know, and it's kind of big in a way, but it does rotate and it's got a padded, uh, a padded cover for the, for the head mount and all that stuff. And it's big enough to go over that small 3M respirator. So the big shield, like I say, it covers the respirator and everything. And, um, as long as it's clean, I don't have any problems. Once it gets a little dusty, I can just clean it off with Windex and eventually, 
uh, get to where, um, you know, I have to get a replacement, but you can get like three different screens, they call them, for like 10 bucks or something like that. So the replacements are pretty inexpensive also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like I say for the, for the, for the, the price of it all, I've tried the Harbor Freight little crappy face shields that are garbage. Those do mess with my vision. Um, but the benchmark or braces one like Ryan's got or the UVEX one are the only ones I've come across that I think don't really obstruct your, your vision as far as the way it looks when you're looking at your knife. It doesn't bend anything. Well, mine's uh, a 3M. It's a super nice one. And yeah, I mean, no, it's, they, it's lightweight and it fits good it. and, you know, it's easy to take on and off, but it's just that, yeah. that curved shield just throws my, throws my vision off just a little bit. I yeah. like my benchmark one. Be, the The only complaint I have about it is that it hits, the, I wear huge ass glasses and it hits the corner of my glasses when I put the shield down. So I can't wear my glasses underneath it because they'll be like cocked off at, at an angle. <laughs> and, uh. But other than that, you can buy replaceable shields for it, like replaceable lenses that are different shades. So if you do a lot of, like, grinding or torching or things like that, you can change it out to, like, a five shade. I think they go all the way up to ten, so you can MIG weld with it. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's only you 40 bucks. Take, you can also take leather strips and put on the top and look like Predator. Yep, yep. <laughs> My welding hood's got the... You know, it's auto dark, obviously, so it's got the knob on the side, and you can switch it to grind. But I don't like grinding with that on. It just don't seem right. You know what I mean? The the square's not big enough. There, I feel like there's too much room around it. I still smell it. It still stinks. <laughs> and every time, never has ever once failed. If I do switch it to grind for half a second, I do not switch it back before I hit that first arc next time I'm going to weld. And I get flashed before I realize, oh, yeah, this is supposed to go dark. <laughs> Not the fun kind of flash either. No. Most, no titties. Most of the time I'm welding, I'm doing, like, tacks. You know what I mean? So it's not, like, long, sustained welds. And they've got these auto-darkened goggles on the snap-on truck. And I've been fucking drooling over them for over a year now. Because it's not the... Yeah, probably on snap on truck. There's yeah, snap on truck. They're stupid expensive. I think they're like three eighty, but they got like a flip up lens. So if you want to go clear sight, you just flip the lens up and then flip it back down. And like yeah, I've got some of those that I use when I'm using my acetylene torch, but mine are like twenty five dollar Lincoln ones from the local welding supply place. Yeah, that's why I haven't pulled the trigger on them because I can't just like there's very few things on that truck that I've bought. You know what I mean? Like I've got ratcheting wrench sets, but they're like Husky brand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend four hundred dollars per set. So if you want standard and metric, which all mechanics need both, it's eight hundred bucks for ratcheting wrenches for blue point. Not even snap on for blue point. I mean, which is like Walmart brand snap on. Yeah, and they have like a, a lifetime guaranteed still, I think. Ish. It's like, you know, I mean, really? You know what I mean? I just don't, I don't see, I don't see the value in it either. Is I mean, you, of course, you use them for your day job. So it makes sense in a way because you are going to get some sort of return on income. I don't, you know, we my, my job provides tools, you know, for what yeah. we're going to need, any kind of specific tools. So... There's no, you know, I can't, I can't justify. I'll go to Walmart and get one of those little, what are they, the whatever hypertech 
ratchet set, you know, yeah. I just need to be able to put bolts on shit. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, that's fine. Using them daily, the like box store brands, they work, man. I've got DeWalt hand wrenches, hand tools. The only snap on tools that I bought that I've spent the money on, I have a file set that I bought. Um, all my screwdrivers are snap on because they are superior. Um, and my torque wrench. Because if if you're doing like you need precise torque measurements on a customer's five thousand dollar engine or whatever, you don't want to be using a Harbor Freight torque wrench. Yeah, no. just give it a you quarter know. turn, man. Everything's tightening down quarter turn. Quarter turn past hand tight. Yeah, yeah totally, to, totally, to bro. Heads. It's, I put a quarter <laughs> turn on them; they're good. <laughs> There's no miniature explosions going on in there. You're fine. But there's just something snap on that it's ridiculous. Like they sell, speaking of heads, they sell a straight edge, which is a one eighth inch thick by inch and a half bar of hardened steel with a machined edge on it. It's mm-hmm. like 200 fucking dollars. And you can yeah. buy the same exact thing at Lowe's for $17. Yeah. No, no. Our Snap-on guy's a rapist. We call him we not like literally like he's not a uh, sex offender. He pulls up but in the van, he's like, hey, yeah, he he drives a rape van. Like got they, the, they call him Full List Frank for a reason. Oh my god! Got the ice cream machine siren on the roof. <laughs> oh, dude, he's he's a fucking character. That's for sure. <laughs> I went to high school with this kid, and then the spitting image of each other. Oh, like god. the first the first day I walked on his truck, I go, "Are you Frank's dad?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> How'd you guess? I'm like you fucking look just like the <laughs> twins. I don't know, you know, like yeah. He's uh he was good friends with my father in law, but before he realized that he was my father in law, he was such a fucking prick to me. It was it was bad. Like there was like months and months and months where we didn't go on the truck because he was just a dick every time we went on the truck. And then he realized that I was married to one of his friend's daughters and he got cool after that. But, I hate the buddy system. Yeah. Yeah. Just be a good person. It's really not fucking hard. You know, yeah. and you can be a nice asshole. Trust me. I know I am one, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give people shit, but it's never meant, never meant in meanness. You know, it's like just bullshit and it's having a good time. But some people are just pricks for absolutely just petty ass pricks. And you're like, what, 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 you know, it's like they just woke up, stubbed their toe and they hate the world every day. Yeah. I don't understand it. I'm looking at your uh, your Instagram here, Mr. Maximus, trying to just do a little catching up. Let's talk about yeah. this little folder you got going on. Yeah, that, I just I kicked that door down on that rabbit hole. Oh, my God. I can't stop thinking about different stuff to do and things. And I wanted to just jump right into making slip joints because, to me, it seems pretty easy in theory. <laughs> but the the micro mechanics of it all – of course, the slip joints I make are actually going to be larger. They're going to, I got a couple of uh, everyday carry patterns that I wanted to turn into a folder. But I had a, a buddy of mine that makes a lot of folders, and he was like, you need to start with at least one friction folder to kind of figure it out. And about a week and a half ago, I was out in, or two weeks ago, something like that, I was out in the shop and I was going through my little scrap pile looking at stuff I could tack weld together to make some sand mine or something and came across the leftover Baker Forge and Tool bronze chevron sand mine Damascus I had. I was like, huh, this would make a badass friction folder. <laughs> so I went to drawing it out on there and everything and 
now all of a sudden I'm down the hole of folders and I could have just done the typical square bodied friction folder kind of thing. But then I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I do everything a little bit extra, but being for my first one, it's, it's pretty interesting trying to get everything right and tight and all that kind of stuff and, and get it done. But I'm, I've got the scales figured out and all that kind of stuff. I figured out something else I'm going to add to it because I don't know. I just, it doesn't, didn't have as, as much flash as I thought it was going to have. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be nice. It's actually, I haven't really posted much about it, but there's also another piece of scrap that I made like a little, uh, trinket out of almost like this little diamond shaped square shaped, uh, like a, I don't know, like a button looking thing. Um, that's going to have the same, um, vintage ivory paper micarta and Tiffany blue G10 on the backside of it. So it's the Damascus and the blue G10 and then the, the ivory paper. So it's going to literally go with that, like as a matching thing. Um, I'm not going to sell it. It's actually a gift for somebody that doesn't know it's a gift for them yet. So I'm not going to say it on the podcast. (laughs) Thanks buddy. (laughs) (laughs) But Yeah. It's kind of funny because the knife is not going to go to who thinks the knife would go to and the little, the little jewelry piece, I guess you could call it's going to go to, to somebody else. I just, I don't know. I got kind of inspired by Mike Quisenberry, Master Smith. He just made a folder with matching cufflinks and stuff. And I don't know if you've seen any of his work, but oh my God, like the details. And I've watched him hand sand on a live and he's like, my hand sanding, like, I mean, he just, there's a reason why you're paying all that money for a, a Mike Quisenberry knife. You know, it's like he literally sits there and like, takes a toothpick and wraps freaking sandpaper around it and gets right up in little things and spends all this time doing it. So it's so perfect. Yeah, it's like one pull and then a close inspection and one pull and an inspection. Yeah, it's insane. But yeah. he did on this folder, he did the blade and it's just like a, almost like a little trapper kind of thing, just like a slip joint. But the uh, blade goes right up to the bolster and the pattern from the blade goes perfectly into the bolster. And it's like to get that so right with this like star pattern thing that he had going on, just to get that to match up, grind, getting the grinds all perfect and everything to where the pattern just flows into a folding. It's a folding mechanism. It's not like it's a, not like it's an integral bolster or anything like mm-hmm. that. So to make it look like that just makes my brain hurt trying to think about how much <laughs> time i mean to where nothing's offset or anything i'm just like jesus man i need a few grand worth of tools to even get close to you know not without spending four months filing stuff yeah you know? some of my absolute favorite folders that i've ever seen that look like i mean they're handmade by a master smith but they're so detailed they look like they should be in a jewelry store yeah is josh yeah. smith yeah, I mean, he does stuff with gold and you know pearl and titanium, and mm-hmm. it, his stuff is unreal. It's yeah. like they're gonna dig that shit up in a couple thousand years at an archaeological site, right? And be like, and be like, what the fuck? Yeah, holy, yeah, like, they just oh changed God, the world. They still had craftsmen back then. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, his stuff is insane, dude. He's one of the guys that I kind of look up to as an overall good dude oh you know what i mean like he's a hell of a dad he was a master smith at 18 years old 
Mm-hmm. Now he's got Montana Knife Company, which they're selling out, you know, 800 to 1,000 knives within two or three minutes every Ooh. single time they get a batch done. And they're Holy not big shit. either. They're not big. They're no. not really expensive at all. They're f- between four and five hundred dollars. Yeah. But if well, you do the math on that, the, the speed, the mini speed goats are like two fifty. Well, even still, you know, two fifty, eight hundred of them. You know, obviously, there's cost involved. And it's a business. But I mean, he's running a solid. Right. He's business. killing it, dude. Not and just the money part, but just to to get to that level. Yeah. I mean, it that's, only took him what he's forty five now. That's two hundred grand a month. <laughs> not too shabby but i mean he's getting a whole new production facility built you know what i mean he he redid yeah. his shop at his house he's got employees obviously yeah. tons of insurance shipping costs yeah he's dumping money back into it he's not making a ton for his own pocket at all to yeah. Be honest. yeah i've talked with him a little bit because he uses 5200 steel he either cerakotes it or parkerizes it i was talking to him right when he first got it going like he was working on his first 200 mini speed goats and I was chatting with him a little bit and he was just like, man, you know, he goes, I got to do a story on my process. And he did a story and kind of just like little snippets. And you literally seem like he's got all these blanks. He's having a, at, even at that point, he was having to have his blanks pre-cut mm-hmm. you know, and sent to him. But to sit there and have like two to three people in your shop, just grinding bevels on these like one eighth inch thick, 52-100 blades, which is not, it's not like he's using, he, he, well, he did just start using some Magna Cut, but, like, he's just using what works, throwing them in, I think he's got, like, two or three ovens, you know, cooking them right, quenching them right, doing the parkerizing, all that stuff, and I'm going, just the time involved with heat treating a 52-100 blade properly, because you want to try to get it right around 1475 to 1500 and let it sit for 10 minutes, then quench it. And you're doing that with batches of 10 at a time. You know, you think about it, if you're doing 200 and you're doing batches of 10 at a time, you got to repeat that process 20 times. Just the soak time alone to quench, you're looking at 20 times 10 minutes before you even dip them in the oil. You know, mm-hmm. it just, I'm going, Jesus, man. Like I, I, you'd have, to, there's no way you could, you could, you cannot scale up like that part time. Oh, shit, no. And that was his, that was his issue. Cause I remember, you know, Jeff Faders talked about it a couple of times. They were having a conversation. He was sitting there, he was a, a lineman mm-hmm. and he was sitting there in his truck in the snow and it was miserable. And I understand completely because I work in water utilities and I get called out on just some bullshit all the time. It happened the other night I was on a live and got called out, but he was sitting there and he's like, I can't do both, you know, but if I jump into this, what happens if it doesn't take off? And he just, but I think a lot of it is he's a good dude. You know, he's not a snob. He's very humble about everything he's got going on and definitely somebody to look up to as a maker and, and as a Smith period, like he does great work. He does solid work. If it's got like the slightest imperfection, even though it's only a 250 or $400 knife, he's like, nah, you know, we'll just throw this one in the pile. I would love to see his rejection pile because you know he's got one. There's stuff that that hasn't gone out of out, oh, out yeah. of his shop, you know. Yeah, he actually then, has his own podcast. I don't think he's put anything new out in quite a long time, but he's got yeah. an episode talking about when he quit his day job. You know, that's a that's a good listen there. Yeah, like I said, he's just a solid guy. He's smart. One of the first things he did was he got somebody to help him with his social media mm-hmm. and all that stuff. 
he was talking about that, and I'm going, I'd love to be in that position. Yeah. For one, not that I hate my day job, but yeah, you know, I work in water utilities, and I cannot believe it's one of the least paid, probably the least paid utility, and it's the only one you cannot survive without. I don't get it. You know, you can literally go through your life without internet. You can go through your life without electricity. You know, people did it for hundreds of thousands of years. It's not as cushy, of course, but you got to have water. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You got to have clean water. And that's what I do every day. I make sure the water that's going out into the creeks is clean enough. And the <laughs> water that's coming, well, you can only do so much. And then the water coming back in from the aquifers going out into people's sinks is drinkable, potable, you know. Mm-hmm. And I sit there and go, it, that's that's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of annoying when you're sitting there going, I literally have to have all these licenses and all these things to do my job. And people cannot survive without what I help provide them. But yet some guy out there hooking up your your underground fiber optics is going to get paid more than me for splicing wires together. I don't, I don't understand how out of utilities, this hasn't been the most important for the longest. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, like you said, people can't live without drinking water, but Mm -hmm. the underground fiber optics and all that shit, that's a, you know, that's a luxury item. People don't have to have high speed internet, but they want it. So they're going to pay whatever the hell it takes to get it. You know, and I, and I told, I, I mean, think about it. You know, if your water bill was all of a sudden just $400 a month because you got to have it, you would think, okay, well, you know, you're not going to go get bottled water to bathe with. I mean, you might say, well, I can drink bottled water for less money. Sure. But you're going to be stanky. Yeah. You got to wash. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, there's a whole lot that goes into it. It's, It's pretty insane. But and that's part of the reason why I do like doing it, too, because. When Snowmageddon hit in the south, well, mainly in Texas, I went out for 12 hours a day and manually ran a water plant to make sure people got water. I was out there with no one bringing me lunch, nothing, turning pumps on, turning pumps off, making sure that we were pumping out as much as we could, but also getting as much back in the tank to fill it up because obviously there was a bunch of leaks popped up real fast, draining the system. So trying to keep that all balanced literally manually for 12 hours a day was tough and my it was uh, my kid and everything's back at home it, it was hard for us northerners to understand why that was such a problem like Dude. what's different about your power grid than our power grid because it gets oh, wow. down into the negatives here you know no issue yeah but but you guys lost everything i know your roads are different they're made of a different material so they don't uh, you don't get as good attraction when it's cold, but yeah, yes and no with the road part. The problem with the roads is we don't have anything to clear them. We literally had maintainers out there or road graders, where you know, depending on where you're from, is what you call them. They were blading blading the ice off. That and it wasn't just snow. It wasn't just snow and cold weather. It was snow, and then as the snow started to melt, it was dry and cold, which made it turn into ice, like solid sheets of ice. And our cables, like when I went to Connecticut to film for Forged and Fire, I was driving around and noticed the power lines out there were like these big, thick, green-looking power lines. Ours are not, dude. Ours are like, you can almost see just like little thin black wire. Mm-hmm. Oh. Nothing. They are not made for the weight of ice like y'all's are. 
Yeah, that makes know. sense because we get actual ice storms. Yeah, where it's cold on the ground, but it it's warm in the atmosphere, so it rains. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the rain touches the earth, your car, the road, trees, it turns to ice, and uh, those can be nasty. You'll roll your car window down after you warm it up, and there's just like a sheet of ice over the window that you got to punch out. But that's what <laughs> happened. But that's what happened in between the snow. That was the problem, you know. Yeah. And I felt it was kind of a, a fun kind of a karma thing because literally that summer right after, it was not as bad as it is this year, or I guess it was just last summer. But up in the north northwest, it was like 110 degrees, and they had never really felt that before yeah. in their lifetime. And they were freaking out. I'm like, well, welcome to Texas, bitch. You know, it's like everybody's freaking. They were all making fun of us for the snow. I'm sorry people were dying because they didn't know what to do as far as, you know, they didn't know they could burn stuff in their house and vent vent the window to keep warm, you know, and they were literally freezing to death, but you know, it, it just, you, you can't it, do that. You can't have an open fire in your house and open the window. No, I mean, you can, you, no, can. you definitely can't, you can, you just have to, you can't just put it in your floor, you know, no, but trust me, you definitely can. You can, you can make a way to get warm is what I'm saying. Like you can do it where you don't get asphyxiated. You know, but like we had um, at the time I was actually staying with my parents and they had a gas stove, thankfully, and water. So their water didn't go out, but we literally cracked a window a little bit because, again, it's not like it is up there. It was only like 30, 28 and 30 degrees. I mean, there was a couple of times it got down to the one degree range. It never hit the negatives, but you could leave that stove on and we had a vent hood right above it. And but it's an old vent hood, so it's just got a fan in it. It's not the ones the ones that closes off. So a lot of the fumes were going out the vent hood and going out the window that was cracked. But we would only run that during the day while there were people awake to monitor it. And at night, it was just bundled up, you know. It, and that did retain heat in the house a little bit going into the evening. But by, by morning, it was like ridiculous, you know. Well, I'm sure your structures aren't built like ours are. Like our ours are built to hold heat in, you know, like any homeowner here spends most of the first couple of years, they own the house tracing, you know, chasing down drafts in the wintertime. Yeah. That's the, that's, that, that's, they were selling the house to, to move to North Carolina anyways, but that was kind of the other thing is they didn't have double pane windows or anything like that. I mean, you're sitting there with single pane windows, you know, some of them had little cracks. I could literally, we were putting blankets over the windows for insulation and stuff like that. But there's some people that just they don't know what they don't know to do that they don't know so it was it was quite a uh, quite an adventure <laughs> yeah for a couple of weeks and then literally it was like two weeks later birds are chirping snow's melting the sun's out it was like there's your winter right there it's a whole week worth of cold hell and then oh look you know everything's yeah. on out it's great. But, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and this year has been just, like, a horrible, horrible freaking summer. Usually we might have, like, a couple of weeks of 100-plus, but it's been, like, almost five weeks in a row where it's been the regular temperatures over 100, and then the heat index or feels like or whatever is just, like, 113, you know? Yeah, it's, like, 95 here today. It's about as hot as we get. Yeah, like I say, but but on top of that is also the humidity. So we'll have 80, 80 to 100% humidity. Like when it's 80%, it feels dry here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, we get humid here too, 100%. Yeah, well, yeah. you're close to the ocean too, so it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we I, I we call it muggy. 
Say how, it's how muggy far out. Are you from the coast? Uh, me? I live. I could get to the ocean in forty-five minutes hmm. on the back roads. Yeah, it's it's still a two and a half hour drive for me to the ocean or to the Gulf. But there's so many lakes and rivers that it makes up for not having it, you know, close by as far as a big, big body of water. Our ocean but, sucks here. It's cold. It's r- Why? <laughs> our our ocean does. The coast of Maine's super rocky and jagged. Um, Maine's really good for, like, lakes and ponds, swimming in rivers, stuff like that. As long as it's a river that's not downriver from a mill, you're good to go. That makes sense. Because of lumber mills. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. Yeah, we got lots of those here, too. This is yeah. called the, the Piney Woods of East Texas. And lumber is like pretty much the main thing here. I go, one of the other things I do is I go and I go to the mills and different places, different industrial places. Um, and the water that they're putting out, I take samples of it and take it to the lab to see what they're putting out into the creeks and stuff to make sure it's not, or even what they're putting into like the main city's uh, wastewater plant to make sure they're not putting in too many chemicals that they're going to have to try to retreat before it goes out into the creek. It's a, it's a process, but yeah, some of that's, that's not really a lot of fun. The, well, the pine, the, the two by four plant, the two by four and I guess shreds or chips, chip plant, they, they make two by fours and all the waste chips, the wood chips, they haul those off to another plant that makes press board and all that other stuff. Pulp. Yeah. That's what we call it, pulp wood. Yeah. We'll they, take the, go to the pulp plant, and that's where they make plywood, um, veneer board. Yeah. Um, pulp for the paper plants, because that's how paper starts, is yeah. as the chipping. Yeah. We used to shit. have a paper plant here, but some Canadians bought it and shut it down and killed half the, uh, half the economy in this one city. Weird. They did that there, too? Hmm. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. That one out. Yeah. Yeah. It's odd. Um, <laughs> some of them have been repurchased and opened back up. The one closest to my house, the one that the my Carta block I have from actually came from, nice. um, they, they're open again. Uh, but if you're too close to the river, like they're on the other side of the river from me, and okay. it stinks like cabbage from the, uh, <laughs> the bleaching process. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can't smell it at my house, but if you go like a couple roads over, you can smell it. Like wow. if you're on the main road in my town, you can you're driving through and it smells like like stanky, stanky cabbage. Yeah, we got a paper mill like 30 miles from my town, and if you catch it just right, if it's a good hot day and the wind's doing the right direction, it smells like feet. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah it's nasty. <laughs> we actually yeah, got a letter in the mail from a lawyer's office asking if we wanted to join a class action lawsuit because it disrupts our lifestyle. That we're so close to the mill and the mill smells like cabbage. You can't smell it from my house. I'm not about to like frivolously sue a local business that employs like 1500 people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I threw that letter in the trash, but I can't, I can't throw parties with my friends. We need to sue them. Yeah. Oh, it stinks a couple streets over. Uh, <laughs> I didn't buy a house on that road. It's fine. Right. God, people are just, uh, yeah, it's crazy though. Like we do have a Cerakote, uh, not a Cerakote, a creosote plant here, which that's fun. Um, driving down the road and you get that. Like, have you ever smelled creosote and the stuff they put on telephone poles? That tar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God Almighty, that's that's fun when you get a good hard whiff of that. But 
Don't they have the big slaughterhouses in Texas that you can smell them for miles? Okay, so we got one in the middle of town. <laughs> it's Pilgrim's Pride Chicken Plant that I have to go to pretty much every single day um, to sample their water, and it's probably the most gut-wrenching, hideous thing that I ever have to do on my day-to-day basis. It's Like, it's real bad. Imagine the closest thing you can get to the smell is when it's as hot as it can be, go get some Swanson's chicken broth, put it outside, leave it for about a week, then go open it and take a big whiff. Nice. Yeah. It doesn't smell cooked anymore. It's I'll throw (laughs) some, like, heads and feet in there, too, you know. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) It's way bad. But, you know, it's what you do to get chicken on the table for people that don't raise their own. It's true. You know, I think everyone goes and see it, you know. But the big, big slaughterhouses that you're talking about, like for beef. Yeah, the cattle ones. Out at the ranches. They aren't typically, you know, they will take kids there for for, uh, my ex, my soon-to-be official ex became a vegetarian because when she was in or cheese fish, so pescatarian, whatever. But when she was like 13 years old, they took them on a field trip to a slaughterhouse, which I think is hilarious. I'm like, what the hell? Like when I was four years old, my dad took me to a barbecue joint and they had a half a pig on the pit and he opened the freaking pit. He knew the guy, the owner. And he was like, he walked back there and he opened the lid and I just see like this charred half a pig and he rips a piece of, what I didn't know was ham off, you know, just shreds this piece of meat off this animal. And I'm four years old, like, Oh my God. And he's like, eat it boy. And I'm like, ah, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want that. But I went there all the time and I ate smoked ham sandwiches all the time. He's like, just eat it. So my brother ate some, he's like, Oh, that's so good. And I'm like, yo, that's, I'm literally in tears. And he forces me to like, not force fed me, but he's like, just take a damn bite. So I did. And then it immediately was like, shit, that's ham. He goes, that's where it comes from. Every time you're eating a sandwich, that's where it comes from. I'm four years old. And I was like, and I obviously still remember it. And I literally went, well, okay, so pigs got to die. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, cool. I like ham. I like bacon. That's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. You know? And, of course, since then, we've had, like, pig roast and all that kind of stuff, you know, where you put them on a basically some cattle panel, you know, and wire them up on a big rotisserie and put a A-frame behind it with tin and fire and just open pit smoke them for 24 hours is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's weird, man. Like, and that stuff that you don't see probably up in Maine, you know, y'all have the, the lobster and whoopie pies, which lobster <laughs> sounds like an oatmeal cream pie to me. I don't know. It's like, like imagine an oatmeal cream pie, but instead of the oatmeal cookies, it's two like cake cookies. Oh, okay. okay. And the frosting's a little different than an oatmeal cream pie, but same, same idea. I have a soft spot for oatmeal cream pies too. I do too. And it's not, bastard. <laughs> how do you say lobster, Jason? I said it wrong, didn't I? You, you sound like you're Australian. Yeah. Lobster. <laughs> it's Australian it's lobster. 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 <laughs> Get some king crab and some lobster. The the whole word is the same until you get to the R, and then the R turns into an A-H. So it's lobster. 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 But, hey, man, cooking lobster is cruel. It it really is. Like, the way to cook them so it's good, you got to dunk them. you got to boil them alive. 
you get the pot fucking raging boiling and you throw live lobsters in it and they it How sounds cool, like though because they die pretty they die pretty fast if you throw them in head first they die instantly yeah see if you throw them in tail first it's probably a little slower <laughs> they, get a, they get a little a little tinge before they before they go before they go the way. yeah but you know i mean they say that they scream but the sound that you hear because it sounds like a scream like they're like you're, you're quenching the shell <laughs> yeah it's the steam escaping from the inside of the shell yeah but it sounds like a scream see really you're just water quenching lobster pretty much yeah you're good yeah cook, them till, cook them till they turn red because they're not red when you get them out of the ocean. Yeah, that that freaked me out the first time I went to. I remember again being a kid going to Red Lobster and they had the lobster tank and they were all brown. I was like, "What's wrong with them?" You know, because like every cartoon and picture and everything you see, they're all red. And I was like, I thought they were diseased or something. My dad was like, "Nah, boy, you know, <laughs> we don't we don't like worship lobster here like you would think we would because it's like one of the things that Maine's known for. Like no Mainer." buys the little lobster trinkets that are in all of our gas stations that say Maine on them. You know what I mean? Like nobody who lives here buys that shit. That's all out of staters and Canadians. And it's like people in Maine were called, but Mainer, Mainer just sounds funny. Yeah. Maina, we're a Maina, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just uh, like for us, it's lobster. It's still expensive in the grocery store. It's fifteen ninety nine a pound yeah. for live, for live, live lobster at the grocery store here. But if you live on the coast, you can go right onto the boat and just be like, Hey, how much for those two? And the guy will be like 10 bucks. <laughs> right. Cause they don't give a shit. You know yeah. what I mean? And they're probably I mean, making more than they would make wholesale anyways. Exactly. So like what's two lobsters out of a thousand pound load? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Where they're only with, getting, uh, we do that with crawfish and shrimp here. If, if you go down to the, the Gulf coast and down to Galveston and you have to do it like, early either go down to Galveston and spend a night and wake up like early on a Saturday morning. You can go down there and get like pounds of huge shrimp fresh out of the Gulf, which I don't know if you want to eat them, but whatever. And I mean, big shrimp and get pounds for like what would typically be say 10 bucks a pound in the store for these big, huge shrimp. You'll pick them up for five bucks a pound or four bucks a pound and get it. But you got to get like a whole big ass bag. You got to get like, 10 to 20 pounds of them at once. But for people having crawfish boils and stuff like that, it's, it's perfect. You yeah. know, cause you go down and get a, basically a pot's worth of shrimps <laughs> and there you go. And people here all the time, you'll see them in the ditches during the fall and spring. There's crawfish just in the ditches here, just in the ditches. You don't have to go yeah. to a swamp to get them. You just pick them out of the ditch and no, we have like probably 20 pounds out of a ditch. We've got lobster and then mussels, like clams, that, you know, you'll see guys out there clamming in the mud, and that's fucking hard work, man. Yeah, um, seen elvers, like, uh, have you ever heard of elvers, the little silver eels? Mm-hmm. Um, those, you have to have a special license to harvest them, and you're only allowed to harvest a certain amount, and I think it's based on a lottery, like, there's very strict laws in place. Hold on, I'm going to look up the price of them because it's stupid, stupid money. And basically what they are is little translucent eels that are a delicacy in Japan. Um, <laughs> silver now, eel they, price per pound. Delicacies from here. Yeah, they, they got they some weird shit over there. Yeah, They're called glass eels per pound price. 
in 2021 was $1,849 per pound. God damn, mighty shit. In 2020, it was 2154 per pound. I'd be out there digging in the mud for them too, shit. Hell yeah. But how many would you have to get to get a pound of them? Well, they come down in like a flood. So what you do is what they do, there's like documentaries on it and shit, but they dam off the these like small rivers in the mm-hmm. woods and they put like a cone that the water can pass through that's got a net in it. And when the when the baby eels hatch cuz they hatch by the thousands, they float down and they're like a like a a whole group of them right. and they get caught in the net and then you take them out of the net, you weigh them. Once you hit your limit, that's what you're at. Hmm. Yeah, sounds like some some good money there. It's crazy money, but it's really hard to get into it. So it's and a lot. There's a lot of Native American reservations in Maine, and a lot of the natives have like grandfathered in rights to the permits. Yeah. So you know, like they pretty much run um, that whole industry here. But like lobster, I mean, lobster. When people first settled here. It was a poor man's food. Like they'd they'd feed it to poor people and like slaves or whoever else, indentured servants and shit. Because naturally, lobsters have no limit on how large they can get. Right. So they weren't being hunted. The native. I don't think the natives ate them. They might have, but natives they didn't like strip harvests like we did. You know yeah, what I mean? They were abundant. Yeah, they'd catch one and eat it for a week or whatever. Um, and then the more that we harvested them, that's where you get the size that they are now. And there's, like, catch limits. And uh, there's rare lobsters. Like, some of them come out of the ocean, like, bright teal blue. Those you can't keep. Those get thrown back. If they're too small, they get thrown back. Um, there was one this year that got caught that was half and half. So the right half was teal blue and the left half was the normal lobster color. And it was like a straight line right down the middle of its shell. Hmm. Is that like on your evening news? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't watch that shit. Right. <laughs> I was thinking about the main news. Isn't it weird how like you go to a hotel or something out of state and you watch the news, no matter where you're at, it's just not right. You know what I mean? Cause you yeah, don't know like the places a, a they're talking off. about. Yeah. It's just that I've always thought that was funny. You go to Florida in the hotel room or something, and like that's not my normal weather person. Like, there's no way they're right. I don't know this person. Weird stories like, oh, there's a crocodile and a tiger that broke out of the zoo, right? And you're like, what the hell? You know, you're on vacation, looking over your shoulder the whole time, looking for this gang of crocodiles and tigers that just piled up together and they're running around the city all rampant. Just never know what you. I'm just talking about Florida. It's a crazy place. You never know what you're going to run into down there. Florida's wacky for sure. It's or they they alter the headlines to sound like something they're not. Like it should say "meth head stabs guy in gas station" and it says "disabled man has altercation with you know like privileged <laughs> yeah. white guy" or something. Like that. Yeah, I could I could go down a whole rabbit hole of media. That's kind of okay. We're going to touch base real fast on Forged and Fire. Because I loved being on Fortune Fire. It was a great time. And I'm on Netflix now, which is awesome, too. Like, you can go watch Netflix Season 8. They have it as Episode 22, but it was technically 23. But anyways, that doesn't matter. It's the Sledgehammer Showdown episode. 
they portrayed, they edited the timeline to where it was like I was the last one to quench and I barely made it and all this kind of stuff. That's the only thing that upset me about the show was watching how they edited everything. I'm like, y'all could have just made it the way it was and still had me get out the first round. It would have been fine because it's interesting. You bring that up, Neil, and I'll tell you why Todd Harrington, you know, Todd Harrington. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He's been on two or three different cooking shows. Yeah. And they edited him to look like an arrogant douchebag. When we all know Todd Harrington, he's the exact opposite of that. So when I watched the episode, he's like, what do you think of their editing? And I was like, they made you look like a prick. He's like, yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. I'm like, what the fuck? See, and that, 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 was the, that was the thing. Like, if you actually pay attention, when I'm quenching my knife, you can see holes drilled in the tang. Nobody else had holes drilled in the tang. The reason there was holes drilled in my tang is because I literally sat there and got everything done Got my weight done. I, I had drawn. They didn't show it, but I had drawn on the, the big butcher paper what I wanted to make, and I literally forged two shape, forged distal taper, everything exactly the way it was on the drawing. And I only cut one piece off my sledgehammer. I forged that piece out because I'm going 10 pounds, about a quarter of it's about two pounds. You know, you're going to lose some weight in the scale. When I first weighted, it was two pounds and one-eighth. And I nicked a little bit off the end of the handle, ground off the, basically ground in the, the primary bevels, weighted again, and I was at like almost a quarter pound less than two pounds on a 13-inch blade length. I think overall length was something like something like 18 inches or something like that. It was a big old, no, because I had a 14-inch blade because I hit it right in the middle. So, yeah, it was close to 19 inches overall. It was a big hunk, hunk of a blade. And... My problem was, and why I think they should have edited it this way, because it was kind of fun anyways, but I was out ahead of everybody, and I was kind of, like, focused. I wasn't paying attention to what everybody else was doing. I was hyper-focused on what I was doing so I didn't get distracted. When I went to drill the holes in my tang, I looked up, and there were three cameras on me, and that freaked me out. Like, I looked up and realized everybody else was still grinding their ass off, trying to grind their stuff to shape and all that kind of stuff. And here I am drilling holes in my tank. I already, already did a normalizing cycle before I even quenched. I had a jig set up to make sure I could slap it in there, you know, with the vise and the two pieces of angle iron. I brought it out, you know, slapped it in there, let it cool off, grabbed something to drink, went back to it. It was literally cool enough I could grab it with bare hands. So imagine all the time it took to do that, and then I still had 30 minutes left on the clock, and I was like, shit, you know? Like, they don't tell you about that. They tell you about chasing the clock, but if you outrun it all of a sudden and you realize, wait a minute, I don't want to be that guy that's standing here when I could have done maybe a little bit more, you know? Even though in my mind I'm like, I'm set up for round two. Like, I barely got a little bit more to grind for the edge if I just make it a brute to forge, which they hate, but whatever. I could have done a brute to forge chopper with a great handle, the whole bit. And even the guy that won, Josh Fisher, will tell you all that, too. Like, he's already said if I would have made it to round two, I would have gone to round three. And it would have been me and him. And he probably would have won because, you know, it all works out. I wasn't set up to make a hammer at all whatsoever. Like, it would have been the worst challenge for me to try. 
and my son's birthday was literally like I flew back home. The next day was my son's birthday. And if I would have made it to round three, that very next day would have been filming for the finale. So, so what I'll, round did you get eliminated? First. Oh, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> no, but here's what's crazy. I'm just it's, kidding. No, like I say, and that's what I'm saying. People didn't see all the work I put into it. And the fact there's, and we all had to use their hammers, which that put us on an even playing field. But they told us to bring our own tools, and one guy's luggage got lost because, you know, airlines suck. So because his luggage got lost, I couldn't use the hammers that I always use. That makes a difference if you're used to swinging a particular hammer, you know, particular head shape, all that kind of stuff. So I had some digs. You know, I had some kind of deep hammer hits in there. The other guys didn't really use too much hand hammer. They were using big blue, which, quite frankly, scared the piss out of me. I had never been around a power hammer that big. And the first time it thumped and shook the whole concrete floor, I was like, oh, hell no. I already knew. I already knew. Like, I'm comfortable with presses. I'm comfortable with hand hammers. If I go over to that thing, I'm going to destroy shit, you know? So I just stayed away from it, which was smart. And it was just crazy. I still loved the experience. Dave Baker came out and took my trailer and, like, got me out. We had a one-on-one talk and had a great time. He said he liked the work I did. He saw how I did everything, of course, because he was right there. And he gave me props. So I'm like, to hell with a couple grand, you know. I got to have a whole day in Connecticut to myself, which I'd never been there. Dave Baker said he liked my work. Cool. (laughs) You know, so to hell with the rest of it. Like, it was fine. And me and the guys, of course, then you make all these new friendships and – we had a hell of a good time out on the town because I rented a car. So like when they got off, when they got off the set that evening, even though it was all the COVID regulations, you know, we were all like, whatever we all piled in this mini Cooper. And the, I was the next to smallest guy. <laughs> like everybody else was six, two, six, four. I'm six foot. And there was little Mike Baldino who came in second. He was like five, five. So Jesus. all these guys piled into a mini Cooper countryman, just like tearing up freaking Stanford, Connecticut, you know, having a good ass time. So, I mean, if it makes you feel better, uh, Walter Searles got eliminated in round one, too. Dude, Walter Searles, Josh Prince. I mean, I've watched a lot of people that are badass makers get, you know, eliminated for one reason or another. And you're going, what the hell? I, most everybody, even the guy that went to round two said the one with the warp, he's like, dude, I got to get a warp out and I got this little thin blade. He's like, all you got to do is grind on yours some more to fix a couple things. Like, why would they do that? I'm like, I don't know. Have fun. You know, like, <laughs> and I even told him he had forgotten how to get the warp out. I was like, bro, just blew back it. Yada, yada, yada. And he did, you know, like I said, and it was, it was a great, you know, like I said, it was a great time meeting those guys, having a good time and all the kind of the, the offset stuff and all the fun we had was definitely worth every bit of it. And because of my job, it was a paid vacation because I'm not a full-time maker. So it's not like I was losing out being there, you know, so it all worked out and I would go do it again. I would love to. I just, man, they could have, there was some shit that happened. that was so funny. I was trying to, when I was trying to get that puck off the end of that sledgehammer, cause it was really hard <laughs> to get that off. Their cutoff wheels, those DeWalts, are garbage. I'm talking like the worst cutoff saw I've ever used in my life. I was over there trying to use that, and I got maybe like an eighth of the way through in 15 minutes at best. It was garbage. I was like, this sucks. So I grabbed the porta band, 
And I got about three quarters of the way through with the porter man and all the teeth. And it was a fresh blade, not eating all the teeth off the blade. It's like crap. So then I grabbed the angle grinder. You know, I tried to go back to the, the chop saw for a second. That just was just too garbage. So I, I grabbed the angle grinder and the cutoff wheel, plugged it in, hit the switch. Nothing happened. I'm like, come on, this is some bullshit, you know. Unplugged it, plugged it into another socket, hit the switch, nothing happened. Just getting really pissed at this point. Unplugged it again. All of a sudden I hear, it's the wrong plug from everybody up at the table. And I looked down and every time I was plugging it in, the stupid portaband light was coming on because I was grabbing the freaking portaband plug and not the grinder plug. And I was like, oh, this is dumb, you know. Just being in a hurry, trying to get shit done. Plugged it in. It worked great. I cut it off. I was a second in the fire, you know. But it was still that kind of funny stuff, you know, that they could have put in there. And they they had Mike flailing around trying to get his – he cut like halfway through the sledgehammer and was trying to just like knock the other half off with another hammer. I'm like, nah, bro. (laughs) That ain't going to do it. But – and he's a shop teacher. He should have known better. But – like I say, it was a it was a good time. Like I say, it just I just wish they would have they could have made the timeline the way it was to begin with and been like, look, you can run out in front of everybody and still not go to the next round. Like you can still think you're doing good and still not be, you know. Which I think that would have been better in my opinion, and all the fun stuff that happened would have been better. But I'm not the editor; I don't get paid for that. So, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys. We got some business to take care of. You know what time it is, right? It's the Patreon Spotlight, brought to you by Maritime Knife Supply. We're going to go through the list, read off everybody. Thank you to everybody who's on this list. And then we're going to randomly pick one and go through it and talk about you for a minute. We got Donnie Dulovich, KnifeMaterial.at, Aru Blade Works, our short fat friend, Brigham Kendale, Mark LeBlanc. Papa Hatch, Mark Vanderwerf, Bex Armory, Todd Harrington, Dennis Tyrell, Trox Claire Custom Cutlery, Zachary Sowell, Maritime Knife Supply, Driver Defense Knives, Noah Bloomberg, Crafty Man Forge, Brian Henningkamp, Echo Blades, Eric Andrews, Brimner Built Blades, Snake Branch Knife Works, and we got a new one this week, Darren at Stormlight Forge. So now we're number one through 21. And let me get this number drawn here. Uh, Random.org, 21, generate, number 18. Who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? So I got to go back. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, shit, wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to put this on paper with numbers on it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. We said eighteen, right? That's yep. Eric Andrews at Sourwood Creations. Ooh, this is gonna be a good one. Yeah. Sourwood? Yeah. Sourwood. Sourwood Creations. His uh logo is like a green circle with two trees of life in it. Yeah, he follows me. I guess yeah. I can follow He's him back cool now. Guy. There you go. Yeah, he's only got a hundred followers. That's a goddamn shame. Yeah, I owe him shame. a knife too. He he won one of my raffles for the build your own knife. And Eric, if you're listening, uh, your knife is done. It's just got to be put together. 
So, uh, yeah, he's getting a a storm with oh, some nice. with some Dennis Tyrell Knife Works uh, blue handle material. Oh, he's doing some forge welding. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Twelve layers. That's cool. Doing some file work. Some yeah, he's got that, that little burden trout. It looks like uh, some loveless bolts, but they're. I think it's just a tube of G10 with G10 in the middle, or something. I'm looking at that same one, the blue and green. Yeah, yeah. It looks like just a, like maybe a no. quarter inch G10, and then he drilled it out to put an eighth inch G10 in it. Yeah, yeah. Because the one, the one, the hole's not in the very, very middle. It's close enough, Neil. This is to spotlight him, not critique. No, yeah, I'm, man. Yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> Dick. As, far as, as far as saying that it's not, you know, it's not a loveless bolt, you know, which those get off center too, quite frankly. But yeah, looks like he's doing some good work. He's definitely trying a lot of different techniques and stuff. It's got a nice little is, hand press going. Oh, it's yeah. air powered. Ooh, air powered. You don't see that every day. Yeah, it's like that uh the pneumatic press. I've seen the I looked yeah. at Harbor Freight at some stuff to build one of those back in the day. What's he running for a grinder? Let's see if we can find it. I see his belts. He's got a tube of seventy two. It looks like it looks it looks a lot like a revolution. It's got the the that, half That is circle. a revolution. Is pretty, it a revolution? I'm pretty certain it is. Like you said, it's got the half circle, the four, the four pivots. Yeah. yeah. And the screwed on handle. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely a revolution. a revolution. If it's not a revolution, then he got the plans from someone that makes something exactly like a revolution. Yeah. Uh, uh, like the OBM ripoff. Yeah. Not, not to bring up old shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. He looks Ooh, like I like that idea. He's on stuff too. He's got an aluminum plate clamped to his work rest while he's grinding. So it's like perfectly flat. Yeah, I don't. You know, I actually even got a small wheel fairly recently, and it's I guess I've used just the edge of my platinum stuff for so long that it's it's a learning curve trying to use the tools that I thought would help me out. You know, I have a steel like like a hard steel small wheel attachment and I fucking hate it. I want a I want a rubber one. I want the yeah. TR maker one. I don't have any like I don't have a half inch. The only ones I I, I have uh the 3 quarter then uh I think I have 3 quarter one and one and a half. Yeah, Broadbeck, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got. That's what came with my my what is it? The Mega Kit or whatever. Yeah, I didn't get – yeah, I just got the – when I got my Broadback, they were having the build-your-own kind of thing going on, mm-hmm. and they had some some deals going on with that. So I ended up getting, like, the extra-long platen, which is a couple inches longer than a normal platen. Um, and that's really all I got. I got the VFD and that. And Well, we're, we're going off on a tangent here. We got yeah. <laughs> Sourwood Creations. Everybody go check him out on Instagram. He's only got 101 <laughs> followers. We got to pump them numbers up. Yeah, good call, Ryan. I made a post the other here. day that I'd also like to shout out on the podcast. Um, this girl's name's Caleb Bradford. And we worked together a long, long time ago when I was a manager at Ruby Tuesdays. And she started making jewelry. She lives out in Utah now. She's just an absolute gem of a human being. Like, you know, one of them people that's just nice no matter what. Um, and her work is really good. I wouldn't be shouting her out if it wasn't, um, yeah. 
You made a post? I made a post about that recently, didn't you? I did. Her Instagram for her jewelry making. And let me find it. Little Silver Wagon. One word. Oh, if I could spell wagon. I spelled it Wogon. Wogon. (laughs) Wogon. Little Silver Wagon. One word. Um, But check her out. She's got 60 followers. So we got to pump them numbers up. And if you like jewelry and you want to get your wife something pretty, place an order with her. I um, typed in a- L-I, and it popped up, dude. Like, they're always listening. Yeah. <laughs> mine, mine, mine had to start spelling out a little bit more, but yeah. All right, I just gave her a follow. Yeah. Yeah, she's I mean, just an awesome person. Um, definitely not my style of stuff, but the craftsmanship is there for sure. Like, it looks yeah, store-bought, you know? I don't yeah, really she's know. She's using all precious stones and 925 sterling silver. Like, it's not like, yeah. you know... She's not using copper house wire and shit. Right. You know. (laughs) That's some nice work. Looks good. If y'all don't mind, I got one that's kind of become a friend of mine that does wooden spoons and whatnot. Not not Kawa and Jeanette, even though she does great work. Um, And this this person does have quite a few followers. But um, it's a mother chucking wood. That's a cool name. (laughs) R E B E C C A underscore Lurson L U E R S S E N. She's from up in Tennessee. Well, actually, I think she's from New York, but she lives in Tennessee. But she does a lot of straight up hand carved spoons, and they'll be like thirty five bucks before shipping. Like it's insane. Her prices ought to be a lot more. But a lot of, and she hand picks the wood and hand. She literally takes a log and chops it down with an axe. And goes on from there. Oh yeah, I found her. Hey Ron, got I got a, a question from but... from you or for you. The what? I got a question for you, Ryan. Yeah, shoot. How was the random grind going? I hadn't seen no more random yeah. shit getting chewed up lately. I miss it. It's random. <laughs> <laughs> just random it's, post. Are yeah, you ready for that question, or was that just week. that slick? It, it's whenever I feel like it. I thought the <laughs> shit you were putting into the grinders random, not the timing. You know, you got to get regular with it. You beat that al- it's, algorithm thingy. It, it's all random. All and random. If I mean, if we're getting real for a second, imagine running a cell phone through your grinder, and and like the glass and what your shop will smell like after. But my next batch is toys, so. People were pleading with me not to grind because I got Bebop and Rocksteady and I got a couple Ninja Turtles and I got a Deion Sanders action figure and like, dude, Spider-Man. that's the ones to do. That's the ones to do. Yeah, send it, dude. All right, I'll do. Do the ones. I'll do two as soon as we get off the podcast and I'll post them. Sweet. I still think. I still think you need to find a daggum Stretch Armstrong. Dude, I am not. Uh, you ever? That's gonna come open? all the way back around and hit you in the head. No way, man. You know what's inside them things? I cut one yeah. open when I was a kid. I used to demolish all my toys. There's Dude, a country my, song that says, had, I've seen the stuff they put inside Stretch Armstrong. I used to take, like, I had a tank, like a little tank that I, with a turret on it, and I ripped yeah. the turret off, and I took one of them foot-tall G.I. Joes, and I cut his legs off, and I glued him into the top of the tank, and he was Tank Man. Like, I'd, do, I'd mutilate my toys. You're so that I cut, cut off a Toy Story yeah, so I cut open bastard next door that blows the shit up. Dude, I used to take my GI Joes and I'd heat up a nail and I'd like open his chest up because they're hollow and I'd stuff a bunch of pincher bugs in there and then watch them crawl out and be like, ah! 
you know, like wow. I was a fucked up kid, man. I didn't have a lot of supervision, <laughs> but I cut open my stretch Armstrong one time. Yeah. And it's like the nastiest. It's almost like tree sap or like, yeah, it's it gross. Would probably dude. be a great belt eraser. It might. For a second. Until it, <laughs> it heats up. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, and just to just a real quick, I don't know if y'all have noticed, um, and I hope y'all don't mind me saying it, but I do have a, a waffle raffle going on still for that Sanmai Damascus Tanto that I put out. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to just fill a whopping forty spots. You know, how many spots you got left? Uh, probably, I got a few more today. Um, I probably say I'm probably still somewhere around the twenty one, twenty two left. Fifteen a spot, right? Yeah, 15 a spot, and it's going to come with a Kydex sheath and all that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've had people trying to share it and help me out, but it's been like, I don't know. You, y'all know how it's been. It's weird here lately. Like, some people can post something up, and it'll just, like, fill up and rocket ship, and other people, it's like you got to – I've literally had to message people that I've got something going on, and these are people that follow me. I haven't I seen anything from you in quite a while. Yeah, and it's there. I just, I don't know if y'all listened to the Work For It podcast this past week, but they were talking about the hashtag, the WFI Project hashtag. There's people not showing up on there. Like, I put it on almost every single post, and it doesn't matter if it's a real or not. I've looked on there to see. But if you click on my, my post and you see that, it'll take you to that hashtag page, but you won't see my stuff. So when That's people weird. are like, oh, well, you know, if you put DIY, EDC, fighter, MMA, you know, anything that you want to correlate with that type of style of knife, because it could go with that genre of people, like camping, yada, yada, yada. I do that all the time, and I mix them up all the time. And I've started clicking on those hashtags, and I'm realizing I'm not getting pushed to those pages. My content isn't getting pushed to those hashtags. So I don't know what I did to piss off the algorithm gods, but it's like... You know, I've actually started going all the way back, and anything that's not relevant to my current stuff, I'm talking nine years back of having Instagram, I'm just deleting and editing stuff that might have any kind of words that they don't like, you know? So that's the only thing I can think of to do, is just get rid of anything that they think's bad, that quite frankly is not even relevant anymore anyways, to that, to, you know, being a page. But it's just, it's wild. And I'm going, I should have, 40 spots should have filled up in a couple of days, not two weeks. Maybe the person doing editing at Forged and Fire got a job at Instagram. This sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. Like, I remember this douchebag. Right. Everybody there was cool, like I said. But yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. You sit there and you think, like, I've heard you talk about it, Jason. You know, you put up and you're going, dude, these used to sell out, like, in a day, two days. And then you're struggling you know, it happened. It seems like it's happening to every, uh, well, not everybody, but a lot of people. Yeah. Maybe too many of us have done raffles or are doing them. You know what I mean? It could be that. Um, I don't know, but it's, I like, don't know. you know, I don't see, I see a lot going on. I know that Tommy at uh, Crooked River, Crooked River Forge has been battling cancer and they're doing a, like flying shark scales and some other people are doing like a fundraiser kind of raffle thing. Um, but they're not calling it a raffle so that they're not getting pegged. But he's even still, I mean, Kyle with Flying Shark Knives has a huge following, and he's still having to promote the piss out of it to get people to see it. Everybody knows who he is, you know? Mm-hmm. And but 
before you do a raffle, you got to grind a knife. And in order to grind a knife, you need abrasives where yeah. you should head over to phoenixabrasives.com and use the promo code HUSTLE10 at checkout, and you can get 10% off your entire order. Um, we got to start wrapping this up, but I wanted to say one thing. Um, I'm slow rolling reopening my books, so I moved the date back from October 1st to September 1st because I'm tired of doing summer projects, and <laughs> I've, got, I've got my groove back to want to grind knives again. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'm working on a huge batch right now. It's probably the biggest batch I've ever done. I think it's like 17 or 18 knives, and most of them are chef knives. Um, I will take an order now if somebody wants to put one in, um, but you'll be waiting a little bit longer because obviously it's not September 1st yet. Um, but you can get your name on the list, and it's all first come, first serve. So the sooner you get your name in, the higher on the priority list you go. I've got to update mine right quick, too, while we're doing that. If you got to order in with me, uh, all of my orders, I've got eight left, should be out in the mail within two weeks, tops. So every single knife that I've got on my order books is heat-treated and ground, and it's just time to start putting them all together. So two, I'm going to say two weeks, but just to be safe, let's call it three. Within three weeks, I'll have all of my orders cleared up, gone out the door. Given, you know, within the next few days, I can actually – see and walk and stand upright without tipping into my grinder yeah so maybe you should get one of those like hammock chairs you can just hang it from the top of your hang it from the top of your shop and just kind of like sit in it and swing around to what you need to need to work on that might be the dumbest idea i've ever heard (laughs) turn on every saw every grinder and just get to swinging (laughs) <laughs> all right guys we so, got to wrap so this Jason's thing up it's going to be in like a stephen hawking wheelchair <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the hustle and grind hell yeah all right guys thanks for joining us neil pleasure having you sir yeah man good times we'll see you guys again next week Bye. keep on hustling and keep on grinding that was a good one <laughs>